This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome, everybody, to what is now the fifth edition of Victory Monday for the Brownstone Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Burns, writer for the OBR, writer for Cleveland.com, and let's dive in and break down the Browns' 26-20 win over the Carolina Panthers on Sunday afternoon in First Energy Stadium. I think as we break this one down, we're going to look at the Browns' ability to once again bend but don't break defensively and just find a way to put enough points on the board offensively. I didn't think Baker Mayfield played his most statistically impressive game of the year, but that doesn't necessarily matter. He was able to put up... 18 of 22, really good completion percentage, which has become his usual of late. 238 yards and a touchdown. Could have had a bigger day. Dropped touchdown ball by Richard Higgins. A couple little uh, idiosyncratic penalties here and there cost the team. But, you know, at the end of the day, if you can go 18 for 22, right around 240 yards, that's a highly effective day, a solid quarterback rating, exactly what you want from your rookie quarterback to put your team in a chance to win. Otherwise, when you look at the box score, there were a lot of really weird numbers that sort of favored the Panthers, and I didn't think... When I watched it live, it was this obvious. They ran 69 total plays to the Browns' 45, which is a you know obviously a a 24 total play increase, which is a bit staggering for an NFL game. And only running 45 plays is is really something for the Browns' offense. 14 passing first downs for the Panthers, as opposed to the Browns just able to put up five, and they controlled the ball for 33 minutes and 50 seconds to the Browns' 26. So there were plenty of things that favored the Panthers. They only turned the ball over one time to the Browns' two turnovers. The penalty aspect of things really did hurt the Panthers as they had 10 total penalties for 68 yards, and the timing of several of those penalties were inopportune to keep certain situations in their favor. But if you guys do recall, I tweeted out earlier this week a game plan I thought was pretty solid to beat the Panthers. I thought you needed to blitz Cam Newton as often as possible, making things tough on him. You needed your defensive ends to abuse Carolina tackles, which I thought Miles Garrett did a really nice job. And then I thought you had to hold Christian McCaffrey to right around 100 yards, and the Browns were able to do that. McCaffrey was a factor, obviously, with two touchdowns, but he did only finish with right around 100, 101 yards between running and passing in this game. McCaffrey's obviously a special player, and the ability of the Browns to keep him in check was going to be a big part of whether they won this game. And that ability to hold him right around 100 yards played itself out in in keeping the Panthers to just 20 points. Now, looking at the offense, it's obvious to me that Baker Mayfield played a great game, but also note Jarvis Landry uh, played a really good game as well, contributing not only in passing game, but also in rushing game. He was able to carry the ball two times for 54 yards, obviously had the short touchdown run, and then on the same exact scheme, the really fun little handback counter the Browns were running, He netted almost another touchdown on that 51-yard run where he was tackled right about the five-yard line. Landry was also able to bring in a 51-yard touchdown catch. We'll have to see the All-22 for the route concept design there, but there's no doubt Mayfield worked out a structure there, worked to his left, and found Landry on what ended up being three defenders around him, but Landry was able to bring it in for a heck of a touchdown catch, no doubt about that. Other noteworthy performances on the offense, Brashar Perriman, two catches, 81 yards, obviously starts the game out with that 66-yard bomb, Just, just great to see. 
The ability to run has never been something that has plagued Perriman's game, but his ability to track the football and bring in catches has been a problem for him. So it was really good to see him haul in that first catch up the numbers and get the offense clicking early. It was big. You could tell the emotion on Perriman's face. You could tell Baker running down the field after him. It meant something for them. That was something that they had scripted, something they felt good about going into that game to, to take the top off the defense early. He also had a clutch catch on that deep drag across late there on 2nd and 11 when the Browns needed a first down right about the two-minute mark. Baker rolled out off that little quick play side handoff fake and, and, and really eliminated his front side four options. And Perriman did a nice job of crossing from the backside right around that first down marker and made a nice catch on a really good throw from Mayfield as pressure was bearing down on him in a key moment. So really good stuff to see from Bashad Perriman. And it's getting to the point that this guy might have a chance to make the 2019 roster. I know he was a little bit of an injury fill-in, but there's no doubt that Perriman has, has proven himself to be a pretty good football player, making catches that were not the norm for him in Baltimore and has a lot of Cleveland fans considering that this guy's potential could have just needed to you know, be fulfilled in a different place. That's what we're seeing from Perriman in Cleveland. We hope his audition over these last three games can continue to bring the positive success we've seen from him lately. Really tough day for Richard Higgins. Obviously had the fumble on a on a quick screen out there on the left side of the Browns offense and then I think dropped what would have been a bender route touchdown that Mayfield put in his hands late in the second quarter. So tough game for him, but I know he's a resilient football player. I know Baker trusts him. They'll continue to develop a relationship. He's a big part of the Browns' future at wide receiver position. So let's shift up front. I don't think you can really grade out the Browns' offensive line play until you watch the All-22. Pro Football Focus will give us a glimpse of that tomorrow. I have a better answer for you guys when the All-22 comes out about 5 o'clock, but I do know there were a couple penalties. Greg Allen obviously flagged a couple times, and then and then Kevin Zeitler, out of, out of character there, had a couple holding penalties. I'm not sure what was going on there. I think the second one was a little bit suspect. But for the most part, I thought the group up front handled themselves well and, and gave Mayfield time when he needed it. A lot of step-up slide stuff, which really has become the norm for, for a lot of teams who are using their, you know, their, their rush-ins to get upfield and cause Mayfield some trouble that way. So... I can't say one way or the other whether I thought the Browns' offensive line played phenomenally or poorly. I thought there were some opportunities missed, especially in the screen game, getting out there a little bit slow in some of those scenarios. But they're good enough to win, obviously, and I think this is an offensive line that you can win with as presently constituted. Shifting to the defensive side of the ball, to me it began and ended with a dominant day for Miles Garrett. He had two tackles for loss. He had one sack. He had three quarterback hits. He was all over the field, affecting both the run game and the pass game. Tough day for TJ Carey, couple penalties here and there, really getting handsy. I thought his game was a problem. He gave the the Panthers some some free opportunities that I didn't think that were necessary in certain situations, but you're going to have that. Carey's pressed into playing outside as Denzel Ward is, is obviously dealing with concussion issues, so he's being asked to sort of play out of position. He's naturally an inside guy, but he's, he's filling in as best he can. Seemed like Terrence Mitchell had a really nice bounce back game. Coming back from IR, he seemed to be in the right position when they needed him to be in the right position. Played a really good football game. Demarius Randall had nine total tackles, led the team. Obviously, the late interception. It's getting to the point where the Browns are going to need to consider signing that guy to a long-term deal because he has been that sort of thermostat vocal leader that the Browns have needed on defense, and he's really changed things. I can't, I can't really tell you how great a job John Dorsey did, you know, making that trade for Deshaun Kaiser for Demarius Randall straight up. That's just it's really robbery. Someone should turn that guy in because it's turned into one of the NFL offseason's best acquisitions, and, and I applaud John Dorsey for that trade. Otherwise, defensively, I'm just going to have to watch the tape. I didn't think anybody else stood out to me, really. Uh, I thought Body Cahoon was, was all over the field in certain situations. Collins and Schobert both both had seven tackles apiece. 
Uh, Collins had one TFL. I did, I did think Jamie Collins in situations, he just seems to be sort of stuck sometimes. His, his hips, the fluidity, it, it's just not there. I, I'm not sure if he's going to be a long-term piece with this team, but but in, you know, in a situation where these linebackers have needed some health this year, he's been able to provide that health, stay on the field, and that, that really means something. So I'm not entirely sure what Jamie Collins' future will be. I think the Browns can upgrade that position. Seems to be a wealth of free agency options out there this year. So how the Browns attack that in the offseason will be rather interesting. So, uh, you know, for, for the most part, guys, I, I can't, I can't quite say definitively without the All-22 who played exceptionally well other than the obvious sometimes, but that's okay. You know, you, you, you just you take the immediate takeaways of Miles Garrett and Baker Mayfield and Perriman and Landry. Those guys played really good football. So keep your eye out on Browns Film Breakdown. We'll do the Monday breakdown tomorrow. We'll get the All-22. We'll get a feel who played, you know, who played a better game and have, uh, and, you know, more details as we go. But until then, I want to bring in our guest, uh, Dustin Fox. He will be breaking down for us his perception as he's always really close to the franchise, has a good feel for what's going on, and I'm excited to bring him on and get his opinion on a lot of topics. All right, guys, excited to welcome in Dustin Fox. You guys know Dustin from the Bull and Fox Daily Show, obviously, ESPN College football analyst, and uh, I caught him on the road, got a quick minute. You know, it's it's an exciting day up in Cleveland, a good 26-20 win, and wanted to wanted to pick his brain on on the happenings and current standing of the franchise. So, Dustin, how you doing, man? Thanks for joining me. Jake, it's good to be with you, buddy. Yeah, I got a few minutes. It was a, a heck of a day. I uh, just finished up the post-game show, and uh, I don't know. I'm just kind of kind of excited. I've done so many of these stupid post-game shows over the years. Without wins, it, I, I don't even know like how to respond. It's, it's different. It's a different vibe. Um, just, you know, it just it, it changes the whole vibe of the city. It changes the whole, like, how you feel about waking up tomorrow and going to bed and, and everything. It just really does. Um, it changes everything. The team is, is completely different than what we've seen in the past. Yeah, no, there's no doubt. I mean, even in Columbus, where I'm located, you can you can feel the shift and just the feeling of people uh, supporting the Browns, flags that are out, those sorts of things that you haven't mm-hmm. seen over the past few years. It's been really cool to see. So, um, yeah, man, I can imagine being up there in the city and, and, and covering it live and going through the suffering you've been through. It's it's uh, <laughs> it's great to see. So I, I do want to talk. Let's talk today. So let's let's jump in. This is, I mean, they're coming off a game against the Texans where I would say they were a bit humbled, brought back down to earth a bit mm-hmm. about what it takes to look like a playoff team. And then they bring in the Carolina Panthers, led by an all-pro quarterback, Cam Newton, playing his best football, right? And... Uh, Christian McCaffrey lighting the league on fire, uh, a team desperate at six and six to to get into the playoffs, and they responded like that. I mean, just kind of your state of the Browns feel right now. This game, did you expect this win to happen? Were you pleasantly surprised, or you know, you're you're sort of feeling on that? Yeah, listen, I think last week against the Texans, the Browns, you say, were were very much humbled because the Texans are, you know, I, I consider a definite playoff team for sure, a team that that looks like they could compete. Uh, for a Super Bowl, even though they lost today to Indianapolis, uh, but I but I do think that the team's getting better. They still have to learn how to win, you know, and they they can't, you know, rest on their laurels and think that they're just going to be able to roll their helmet out there every Sunday now because they've won a couple of games or they win a couple of games in a row. They're they're not good enough yet. They're still a young team, uh, but they've got a quarterback that is so special that every single game that they play, they'll have a chance to, to win the football game because he's a game changer. And when you have that, and you look across the league, the teams that have those, those types of players every single week, now they don't win every game, but they're in, they have a chance to win every game. And, and as a fan, that's all you can ask for. And now that they have that, and now that they've, they've sort of you know, taken the, uh, the, 
the handcuffs off of him now that Hugh Jackson has been relieved of his, his duties. He, everyone knows how I feel about Hugh. Uh, it's just a different feel. And um, I, I don't know. It's, it's exciting to be a Browns fan right now because I think that the next season, this offseason is going to be huge for the Browns to continue to build. But I, I really do believe they're heading in the right direction. I, I don't know that they are going to make the playoffs this year, even if they win out. But, you know, listen, if you go 8-7-1, you'll give yourself a puncher's chance to, to make some noise late. But I think next year, uh, Jake, this team has a chance to be really, really special. Um, and, and stop being at the bottom of the division and start competing for the division. And, and really it's, it's all because of, of Baker and, and what Dorsey has done with drafting, you know, good players and, and not only drafting good players, but signing some good free agents, the, the off season moves they've made. I mean, you can't say enough about the Demarius Randall trade, which is like one of the, the biggest moves this team has made this off season. It's, it's been so impactful for the defense. But no, I, I think uh, I think times are are uh, are looking good. I mean, brighter days ahead, so to speak, for the Browns. Yeah, there's two things I really want to touch on before you know. While, while I got you for a couple minutes, is is Freddie Kitchens? Obviously, a, a difference in in style of play over the last what's been now four weeks. I think he's been the offensive coordinator. I could be off a week, but um, just your vibe about what is different from from Freddie that you didn't see from Todd Haley. If, if there's something noticeable, you're there every day, you're seeing it, you're up close and personal mm-hmm. with it. Is, is it just a matter of curtailing things to what Baker loves to do, or is it something more holistic? Is it is it a group of guys now believing in this man and what he's calling, and that makes all the difference? Well, I think belief's very important in football because you have to, it's 11 guys all kind of playing the individual game. And so when every single player gets on the same page and starts to believe in what they're doing, then you start to see the results. You start to have success, and that's what they're doing right now. No, I think that there's been some changes schematically with what they're doing. You know, they they put Baker in a position to do things that he is really uh, good at, and, and that's and that's encouraging, and that's what you want to see. But more than anything, my goodness, you hear these players talk about Freddie after the games. I remember I interviewed Duke Johnson after the Chiefs game, mm-hmm. and that was the first game that Freddie called, right? And like he was just glowing about about Freddie, and all the players were glowing about the difference that things have made and. And so I, I do think that the guys are, are having more fun. You know, this is, I know this is professional football, but you have to find a way to have some fun there too. Mm-hmm. And when guys are believing and having some fun and winning and having success, that's, that's what culminates in some victories here. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's certainly translating to just I, – I, it's almost like the pre-Hugh firing and the post-Hugh and Todd Haley firing. It's a completely different, different team, and those of us who watch closely can certainly see that. Switching defensive side, Miles Garrett, another sack today. Uh, I think he's up to 12 and a half sacks now, just a half a sack short of Jameer Miller in 2001. And then I think 14 is the single-season record. Is, is he – I mean, is he here? Is he arrived? Is he – I know he's a pro bowler. Is he an all pro? Is he, is he perennial? I mean, like the perennial player we want him to be. You know, I think he is. I mean, he got screwed out of that sack fumble at the end of the first half. Cause that was a definite fumble. I thought I didn't like that rule. Uh, but no, I think this guy has played a tremendous football his second season, finally healthy. You know, last year he was never fully healthy. Um, and that now that the team's winning and, and everything, he's he started to come into his own. He's a dominant player. You know, you can see him take over games. We've seen it happen this season. Uh, is he is he an All Pro? I, I mean, I don't. I, I'm not voting on any of that stuff, but I think he's one of the best pass rushers in football. Heck, I have him on my, as an IDP on my fantasy football team, and he's been killing it. So, no, I, I listen. When you draft a player number one overall, uh, quarterback, uh, defensive end, whatever position it may be, 
that the expectations for that player to be a Hall of Famer, not just a great player, a great starter for a long time. Like you expect that guy to, to be a gold jacket type of guy. And and listen, two years into, into the, his career, I think he's he's done absolutely everything asked of him. And and I can't believe anybody would question whether or not this guy's going to be an absolute rock star for a decade plus. Yeah, couldn't agree more. That that strip sack was unfortunate. I thought he got cheated out of a couple earlier in the year. The Oakland strip sack play too. He's, yep. Yeah, he could be right yep. there with Aaron Donald in the top of the league. So uh, there's little doubt in my mind. I, I hope there's little doubt in the rest of the fan base's mind uh, as okay. well. So uh, two two quick questions. I'll let you go. I know you're on the road. Um, uh, draft needs. We're looking at. You talked about the off season. I, I I think this is every bit as important an off season to capitalize on this young quarterback on a rookie deal going into year two building toward your three year four culmination. Where are you looking in the draft? Your idea of Browns need this position to be upgraded to take another step. Where are you looking? Uh wide receiver. I think they still need a star, big time playmaker at receiver. Uh obviously offensive line is still gonna be something to be addressed this offseason. Uh, you know, I, I frankly I just want to I want to put more playmakers around Baker. Because Baker has shown that he is the franchise quarterback, but he just needs more more help. I mean, I think you need you need some other top wide receiver that can help open things up for Jarvis. When Jarvis has you know, someone else that takes some attention away from him, I, I, I think that's where you'll see him really, really excel in that slot position, which is what, what he's so good at. And they've got some other guys who are good. I mean, it's, it's cool to see Perriman sort of re, uh, rejuvenate his career here in Cleveland and have a huge play today for 66 yards to start the game. Another huge first down catch late in the game as well. But no, I you know I, I would love to see the Browns uh, target a, a wide receiver uh, early in the draft. Absolutely. Okay, yeah, I, I think that that's going to be a big need right up there, probably with somebody alongside Larry Ogunjobi for the long term too. Um, I, I will I will ask you this before before you go here, who are you the status quo as is. As the as they keep winning games, this is a tough question because nobody knows. We we just we just talk about it. it is 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 the status quo of keeping. Uh, Greg Williams is your defensive coordinator. Freddie Kitchens is your offensive coordinator, and they bring in Bruce Arians. If that is the result of this entire process, are you okay with it, uh, or do you think they can do better? And if you think they can do better, who I know you like Matt Campbell. Is there anyone else your eye is on? Not one of the higher Josh McDaniels, but I don't know if, I gotcha. if Browns are going to go that direction. I, I really do think that McDaniels, in his next job, it'll be his last head coaching opportunity. He's only going to take the right job. You know, I've talked to some people who are close to Josh that believe that uh, that he does want this job if offered, or at least given the opportunity to interview interview for the job. He loves Baker Mayfield, and his kids are getting a little bit older, and his family's from here. Uh, he grew up he grew up rooting for Bernie Kosar, and uh, you know I, I look at the uh, Patriots offense every single week for the last decade. You know, with with um, uh, uh, Tom Brady, and it's like this guy just continues to evolve. He continues to to, to get the most out of players that probably. You know, should heck, some of these guys he's got starting. I mean, they barely in the league. Shouldn't it be in the league? And it doesn't matter. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I could imagine what this offense would look like with Josh McDaniels running the show. But with that being said, if, if, listen, if, if they hired Bruce Arians and decided they want to keep some things status quo because the team has been galvanized by by Greg Williams, fine. I mean, I don't, I don't think that. I, just, I guess I, I would think it's like don't just hire Greg Williams because he wants to be the manager. Don't just do that. Mm-hmm. You got to hire Greg Williams because he thinks that this is this is the 
guy that can take you to a Super Bowl, not just win you a couple games after you fire the worst coach in NFL history, right? That's, yeah. that's what I would say. Yeah, no, it's, it's been interesting to see with competent coaching, if people are falling in love with it, they can certainly do better. Yeah. Josh carries a lot of interesting baggage with him. I, I'm, a, I'm a believer that, you know, the way he's able to find running backs and tight ends and just use the middle of the field <laughs> consistently week to week has made Tom Brady better than the Tom Brady we came accustomed to. And he's the John Carroll connection, I believe is, yep. is all, it is all very much there. It's a magical place. They put out a lot of really good football players over there. They do. And uh, you know, it's, it, it would make a lot of sense for everybody. I would hope my only hope would be that is, is every fan that, that pays attention to this stuff and, and pays attention to the negative is keep an eye on the positive because there's plenty of positive about Josh. So I hope that comes to fruition, but I won't eat up any more of your time, Dustin. Thanks, man. I, I really, Obviously, I appreciate you coming on tonight, man, taking a couple minutes for us. Hey, anytime, Jake. Thanks for having me on, man. Absolutely, guys. Follow him at DustinFox37. You follow me, you're obviously following him. Uh, again, guys, follow Brown's Film Breakdown, and we'll be right back. So I'm going to leave you guys with this quote by Baker Mayfield because I think it's going to catch some flack this week, and I hope that you understand the reasoning for which he is saying this. In the post game, he mentioned, we'd love to have more fan support. Today was cold, I get it, but having more people, especially at our last home game coming up, we feed off that energy. You can tell. It's very obvious. So I know there will probably be a faction of Browns fans who take that as him calling out the fan base and not understanding the history of the struggles and so on and so forth that we've endured since 1999, but I urge you to understand that what he is saying is, is many people that can get on board, they want on board. They really take pride in that stadium being full. A lot of these guys weren't here during the struggle times, and they're not to be held responsible for those things. So they want your attention now. They're garnering that attention, and I think we should pay attention to them, honor what has been a really good turnaround since the firing of Hugh Jackson. Everybody, I urge you on December 23rd, find a way to get there. Let's make it a packed house. Let's send this team off. Hopefully they can close the season 5-2 and two at home would be a really great situation for them. Uh, it's going to be a great situation to end the year because there's some really fun games on the slate, and they're still alive for the wild card, which is awesome that we can say that now 14 weeks into the season. It'll be a really fun primetime game in Denver next Saturday. The Browns can get that done in a very winnable situation. They come home, playoff hopes alive. Hopefully that stadium will be rocking and everybody can be there on December 23rd. I myself am going to try to be there as well. But for now, guys, that is a wrap for Browns Film Breakdown Episode 10 here. Hope you guys enjoyed Victory Monday. Keep your eyes peeled on at Browns Film BDN as we do the usual Monday film breakdown. I will have something for the OBR subscribers as well tomorrow and then Cleveland.com on Tuesday per the usual. If you are not already, a simple reminder, please follow, subscribe, leave a review, five stars if you can, to the iTunes page. That always means a lot to me and it means a lot to the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I keep pushing the guys over there. At the Chase Down Pod, Carter and Justin do a great job. They cover the Cavs. Hopefully, as Colin Sexton is now starting, and Tristan Thompson are taking off, you guys can jump in and join them and follow along. If you're doing so awesome, if you're not, I urge you to give them a shot. I want to thank Dustin Fox once again for taking time out of his busy schedule to come on. I know he was driving on his way home from his duties after the game. Really big shout out to him and, and really appreciate him jumping on, joining us for 10 minutes. We have a good list of guests coming up this week as eyes are shifting towards the Browns offseason and maybe what could be if things fall perfectly over the next three weeks, a potential wild card berth in the playoffs. So I look forward to jumping back with you guys later this week. Again, pay attention to the content we have coming out. It's always fun to break down a win. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And as usual, go Browns.
Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.